Did you know that Ravensburger produces more than just the classic jigsaw puzzles and board games we know so well? Introducing Cree Art by Ravensburger, the ultimate painting-by-number experience. You'll find everything you need to start your artistic journey today with Ravensburger's carefully curated painting-by-number kits. Whether you're a seasoned artist seeking a new challenge or a beginner eager to explore the world of painting, Ravensburger's kits cater to all skill levels and ages. Embrace the therapeutic benefits of painting by number as you melt away the stresses of daily life and find solace in the act of creation without facing the pressure of a blank canvas. Easily explore Ravensburger's wide selection of enchanting designs on Amazon, ranging from majestic landscapes to adorable animals and everything in between. Let your imagination run wild and embrace the joy of painting with Cree Art by Ravensburger. Shop Cree Art on Amazon today. Hey, this is not an ad. It's just me giving another recommendation based on my research. If you're looking for an environmental organization to support this year, you might consider 350.org. All of their work is about dismantling the influence of the fossil fuel industry and building climate solutions that put people, not corporations, first. 350.org is an international movement of ordinary people working to build a world of community-centered renewable energy for all. Their mission is to build a more sustainable and just future by collaborating with communities at the front lines of the climate crisis. These are communities who are contributing the least to climate change and are seeing some of the worst effects. Their work has had lots of success, including pushing more than 1,500 universities, foundations, cities, and churches to divest more than $40 trillion from fossil fuels. You can find out more at 350.org. Hub and Spoke. Audio Collective. What leads a 21-year-old to leave the college of her dreams and travel clear across the country to live off-grid in the middle of a vast, barren desert, surrounded by art made from trash? Freedom and the space to breathe, a step away from the bustle, where I can have the space to pursue things that make me joyful to wake up in the morning, that make me feel fulfilled. When I decided to come out here, it was an equal balance of running to and running from. Running from fear and running towards freedom and opportunity. My name's Eli Smith. I'm 21 and three quarters. <laughs> I'm from Central North Carolina. I've grown up making art. I sing, I dance, I make sculptures, pen and ink collages. And then when I was younger, I was a circus performer. Eli is an artist in residence at the artistic community slash desert outpost of East Jesus. I learned about East Jesus through another podcast. It was mentioned ever so briefly, and I thought that it was fake because the podcast was a story. But I did some digging and found out that East Jesus was 
a real place, and it's funny, the, the name actually means east of nowhere. It's like a colloquialism, just out in the middle of nowhere in, quote, you know, the last free place. East Jesus is a collective of artists. Its goal is to be almost a never-ending art project. People from all over come here, you know, it, their, their values are sustainability, um, free expression. It's hard to put it into words. How do I put three decades into a, an anecdote? The website for East Jesus calls it a sprawling 30-acre museum dedicated to large-scale art and touts its membership in the California Association of Museums. Established in 2006, the place has no religious connotations, despite its name. It sits on the site of a former landfill, within a larger area dubbed Slab City, or the Slabs, because of the discarded concrete slabs left behind when a World War II Marine Corps training camp was torn down. The Slabs is now home to snowboarding RV folks in the winter, and also free-spirited wanderers, addicts, and the unhoused. East Jesus and Slab City are located in Imperial County, which is a sparsely populated desert region located on the southeast border of California, abutting the Mexican state of Baja California to the south. There's no running water, and electricity comes from solar panels and generators. There's a military base very nearby. The website description of the place is long and poetic and works hard to distill its essence, declaring, quote, it is a waypoint between cities, gigs, careers, love lives. It is the place a friend tries to tell you about after emerging wide-eyed from the desert one early morning. The place far from the skylines, past the mountain, beyond the edge of the pavement, up the dried river, surrounded by spent shells and shivering sand. Can you picture it now? I feel like it's the kind of place you really can't imagine without being there, unless maybe you've been to Burning Man, the annual event in another barren desert plateau 700 miles to the north. I would say stylistically it's very similar. I think a lot of the folks at Burning Man share some of East Jesus's values and vice versa. Those values include community, free expression, and abandoned art cars dotting the landscape and occasionally being lit on fire. It's raunchy and it's silly out here and it's stressful. People here all have stories. <laughs> they, they're all rich with their own history. I don't think I, I've met a single quote-unquote normal or straight world person out here. During the tourist season in the winter, thousands of guests come through each week to experience the possibilities of a world without waste, in which garbage is transformed into an ever-changing art installation. People come not only for the art, but to see how we live. And a part of Charlie's vision, the founder of East Jesus, was to create a lifestyle that only really works when people look into it and see how we live. You know, where nothing is wasted, we compost everything, we make our art from trash and find joy while we're doing it. <laughs> Charlie Russell left his tech job, packed all of his belongings into a shipping container, and founded East Jesus shortly after visiting the area for the first time. Charlie Russell was a character. I've never met the man. He died in 2011, but I know that he was charismatic, a strong personality. He made his money for East Jesus through 
video poker and selling chocolate martinis out of his art car at Burning Man. <laughs> um, enigmatic, from what I've been told. Charlie founded the First Church of the Chocolate Martini, and it has four tenants that I love to share because I think they're relevant and hilarious and a good nod to the man. Charlie of the First Church of the Chocolate Martini. One, make good thing. Two, do big fun. Three, get more laid. Four, rise and infect. There's bumper stickers with those all over the damn place, and I do believe it's very indicative <laughs> of the man and what East Jesus was built on. East Jesus, in its entirety, is art in action, but the centerpiece is an area called the Art Garden, or informally, the Garden. The garden is home to an assortment of striking installations, a work-in-progress giant wall of found televisions, their screens painted with complaints about how society has used them, a tilted wooden house appearing to be sinking into the earth, a large meandering wall composed mostly of multicolored bottles. When I first got here, there was so much novelty and the garden was so intricate. As I explored and walked through, my favorite piece would change on a week-by-week week or even a day-by-day day basis, but one of my favorites is this boat that was donated and planted in the garden, put at an angle, and there's a, a toilet seat in it. And I would go out at sunrise when I was first here, and I would lay out on the bow of this shipwreck in the middle of the desert and look up. You know, it, it just reminded me how much of an expanse this was in, and I, you know, I would sit on the toilet and write poetry, and it, it made me feel really happy. So that was my favorite piece for a while. And then some of the art cars, there's one Cadillac that has a staircase built into the back of it and two seats mounted on top, and they're very comfortable, and it's the perfect spot to watch the sunset. And the entire car is painted, and there's LEDs on the roof, and I love telling visitors when they first get here, you can climb on all the art, you can touch it, you can poke it, just do it at your own risk. And if you break anything, just tell me it was broken before you got here. And that always gets a laugh. <laughs> I really like talking to the visitors here because I can make them smile and talk for a bit and then they go away. <laughs> and it's, it's nice to have that sweet increment where I can brighten someone's day and enrich their experience taking in something that may be off-putting or looked down on. Like, just because it's all made of trash doesn't mean it isn't striking or worthwhile or food for thought. Indeed, East Jesus has caught the attention of both the art world and popular media. We do have gallery owners and artists in San Francisco and all over the West and a few from the East Coast come and put their installations here. So I, I would say that there's a degree of visibility around East Jesus, although it is still a curiosity. Like for instance, Kesha filmed a music video and in one shot, it's the back of my trailer. I'm like, I sleep right there. And we actually just had a documentary crew come out to film their artists making a sculpture for East Jesus. I don't know if you've heard of Robolites, but they're another similar artist collective. And so I would say East Jesus has permeated the art world and the media and culture in ways that are subtle but present. 
For roughly two decades, the folks who lived and worked at East Jesus were technically squatters, like the rest of the inhabitants of Slab City. Then in 2014, a nonprofit foundation was formed, and in 2016, it successfully purchased the land from the state of California, with the express goal of keeping Charlie Russell's dream alive. So East Jesus is a 501c3 charity, and we receive donations at the height of our season. We'll have people coming in back-to-back through our gates. The parking lot will be full. So we, we make do. We also have a GoFundMe. We have a board of directors and people who pledge to, to the art museum to be patrons. East Jesus has a few long-term inhabitants. Someone called Jen is the unofficial curator. And there are the artists in residence, like Alai. Around six people in total keep the whole place going at any given time. This is a volunteer position. I get paid in housing and food and art supplies. And one of the requirements was doing four hours of chores or community work a day, and then the rest of the day is yours. And that becomes lax in the summer when that's no longer possible. So for me, that's maintaining the garden, taking care of the chickens, restoring pieces as they get inevitably destroyed by the desert keeping an eye on the human waste composting, taking care of the land, the infrastructure, be that putting up new fencing, working on a new construction project, and just giving back on a day-to-day basis. And I'm, I'm really lucky and I'm grateful that doing acts of service makes me feel really fulfilled and satisfied. That and absolute freedom to do her art. Right now, because it's hot, I'm doing less large-scale pieces and more pen and ink and collage. I also write a lot. I have five different journals, each with a specific and silly purpose. <laughs> and that's, that's where I am with my art right now. But I love having art that challenges me. I knew that coming out here, I would have access to, to mediums that I never would have encountered anywhere else. Where else can you pick up a jungle gym off the side of a road and turn it into this tower covered with spikes, you know, or or spray painted or woven with cloth. I feel like all my artistic endeavors out here are so accessible. (laughs) And also, I realized I I would never be 21 again and never this financially free (laughs) and that I could take my honey and I across the country and have an adventure. Alai has not been disappointed in that regard. Adventure comes in many flavors at East Jesus. When you go to the website, you'll find the East Jesus Survival Guide, which includes the rule to never arrive after dark, because, quote, given the nature of Slab City and some of its inhabitants, unexpected visitors after dark are presumed to be trespassing with ill intent and risk staring down the barrel of a 12-gauge. That's accurate. I mean, we have a shooting range. A lot of the things on the on the website are outdated, but not that one. And I think it's because you have to be cautious. You don't know people's lived experience. You don't know what substances they may or may not be on, their state of mind. There's a fear out here because things are so scarce. I'm a trusting person and I love to care about people and give my best self and help people grow. But when I see all these people who don't want help, who aren't willing to grow, and the danger that's behind all of that, it, it hurts my heart. And those, those warnings have a, a level of legitimacy to them that just watch yourself. Because Slab City is in all essentiality a ghetto. Um, there, there are piles of trash, 
on the road, I'll see people walking in mismatched clothes, sunburnt, looking dehydrated. We'll go into town on a water run and, you know, we could pick them up and give them a ride or offer help. But I've, I've had it told to me that the people who end up out here permanently, it comes as a result of a series of poor choices. People don't stay here if they don't have to. I know the culture of Slab City has changed, like it was more community oriented and frankly I think it's been the influx of fentanyl that's really led this place to take a turn for the more gut-wrenching or heart-wrenching. While East Jesus is private property and formally separate from the Slabs, coexisting isn't always easy. The Slabs is really the last free place and all the good and ill that that entails. And even though we're completely separate, we're still very much affected by it. So there's a fence around most of the property. I've got my own pepper spray. We've got two extremely powerful floodlights. You can see a solid two acres and pick out the outline of a person. Um, so we'll, we'll do a walk around the border of the property every night. People see the lights like, hey, there's someone watching. Um, one of our residents lives on the far side of the property. He's got a great sound system and plays music throughout the night. So it's it's mostly just the, maybe this is horrible to say, but it's play on their paranoia. <laughs> we are here, you are being watched. You can't come over here. This caution is born from experience on the part of East Jesus's residents. You know, we have security cameras for a reason. And, you know, there, there was a funny story. One of my coworkers found a strung out person in the middle of our boneyard, which is uh, expanse of lost items, donations. It actually used to be the Slab City landfill before Charlie came and he saw it for what it was, a resource of art materials. And this person was naked from the waist up and stealing a bucket of cast dildos <laughs> and he was wielding a machete and I was told that they just looked at him and like flashed the, the light and he scampered, dropped the machete but not the dildos and hopped the fence. <laughs> and that just, that just really tickled me. Not all of the stories are as lighthearted. We had an encounter with someone we dubbed Two Teeth Tony. He was out by the fuel shed trying to look really casual poking around, checked the lock, went under one of our structures and pulled out a generator. I was sitting in the living room. I looked up and saw him on camera and went around the corner by myself like a fool. And he had dropped the generator and was standing by the chicken coop trying to look really unsuspicious. And I, you know, I was like, hey, but louder than that, private property, you're trespassing. You can't be here, man. He lulls his head looking up slowly and starts to walk towards me and I say like you gotta go gotta go back down the road you can't be here uh, and he looks at me and he sort of gives me this big smile and says I'm your new neighbor just coming to say hey just coming to walk around like no man the fuck you are I, I really don't think you are and he gives me this up and down look that makes my stomach turn over I don't like being looked at like that and so I turn on my heel and go get two of my coworkers, and you know one of them's a really big guy like an army vet a very sweet soul and he's like what are you doing here like we got you on camera generator wasn't there a minute ago what are you doing here so at that point 
two-teeth tone, he just goes completely quiet and starts to walk out, not down the main road, but through the art garden. He picks up, hidden in a sculpture, a stash of his things, and a few of our things. We're like, you know what, fine, like, we, don't, we don't need this today. Escort him off the property, he's still dead silent but with this really unnerving smile on, you can you could tell he was strung out, and um, we just sort of watched him wander off across our property line and through the desert. And one of our chores after that was sweeping the desert along the fence so we could see where footprints came through the fence. Keeping an eye out for intruders is just one of the challenges faced by the residents of East Jesus. The summer is long and the winter is long and there's that brief period of beautiful weather in between and then it's gone like a snap. Early June is when we start hitting mid-90s and then we'll break 100 degrees in early October. Because of the intense heat in the summer, people around East Jesus and the slabs shift toward a nocturnal lifestyle. Out of necessity, I wake up usually an hour or two after sunset, like 9 p.m and then go to sleep an hour or so after dawn, because that's when, it's, that's when it's coolest. At the height of summer, and I recorded it, my hottest day was 124 degrees. It's just not safe to go outside for more than 10 minutes, like the risk of heat stroke and heat exhaustion as well. Your whole body just slows down, you, your appetite goes away. One day I took a temperature gun just for kicks and check the carpet that was sitting out in the sun because there's no floors here. It's all dirt covered with carpet and then furniture on top and structures built over it. So I I forget that even our living room isn't really inside. It's just sand underneath. But I checked the carpet and it was 322 degrees just outside midday. So uh, that's about when I started wearing shoes outside. The heat affects more than when people sleep. Things get weird. The heat changes everybody. More sluggish, more irritable. Um, And if you're an addict out in the desert who has nowhere to go and things are already hard, those kinds of stressors can be a significant catalyst. Like this morning or my evening, hearing people scream in the distance is sometimes unnerving. Um, Mostly it just makes my heart hurt. This time of year, um, most of the tourists who come and stay in the slabs surrounding us are gone, and it's just the people who have nowhere else to go. The military also does a lot more drills. We'll we'll hear more gunfire artillery and stronger explosives go off. The animals get more vicious, without a doubt. So summer, tensions are running high throughout the summer and the slabs get more active at night as well. You'll hear more people shouting, playing music, more dog fights, more gunshots. In the towns around here, people who don't have a vehicle, they'll walk to town before dawn or in the hours before dawn. I know in the surrounding towns, everyone closes their hours for midday, like heat of the day, and they'll push one or two hours later or earlier in their hours. There's just no other way to do it. Being active at night creates more interaction with some of the more intense night-dwelling animals in the desert. Snakes, scorpions, they come out at night just the same as we do. I've encountered two rattlesnakes here, killed a scorpion, and seen another. And 
that's only what I've seen and heard. I, I know, I know there are more lurking always. No, I learned that you can tell the age of a rattlesnake by how long its rattle is, because every time they shed, they, they gain another rattle. So I was actually walking from the pantry to our bathroom and just next to us on the corner, there is our library. And underneath I heard this really long, slow, like it's this chicka 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 chicka. If you've never heard a rattlesnake rattle, ah, stop me in my tracks. And I ran and got Jen and we were listening to it and she looked at me and she said, that's an old snake. I'm trying to remember if they caught that one with a pole and a bucket or if we just left it and waited for it to leave. Um, but I do know that the other time that we saw a rattlesnake, we had a warning because the cats were acting really sketchy around it. And that's one of the other reasons that we have cats around because they'll catch any larger bugs, mice. And if those are left, then the snakes come and we can't have that. We're at least a, a 30 minute drive from any real hospital. And so if you get bit, that's absolutely not good. I do know we have a kit for sucking out venom, but that's mostly for the scorpions. Uh, we have two types out here, the goliath and the bark scorpion. One of them can climb vertically up walls, and the other one has one of the most painful stings of any insect on the planet. And yet still here I am in bare feet. It's a dangerous game, I know. Despite the harshness of the environment at East Jesus, and the occasional run-in with intruders, Eli finds a lot to love, especially at night. I will say I'm, I'm really grateful for the nighttime here. It's despite some of the less pleasant ambient noise around us, it's very, it's very peaceful. The sun is very bright in the day and it, I, I can feel my skin start to crackle when I walk around the corners out of the shade. Now I've, I've just never appreciated the night like I have in my time out here. Being at East Jesus, I absolutely feel at the edge of the world. Looking out, we've got a little balcony area, and at night, it's it's just this sea of, of stars. Sometimes I'll lay on the couch, and on some nights when the moon is new, I can put up my feet and see a band of the Milky Way right underneath my toes. And in in the morning, you can see the dawn come over the mountain ranges that are just past our property or the day moon rising over the military base at sunset where the light filters through the bottle wall into the compound and the ground is covered with these green and blue and white slivers of light that are just beautiful to look at and we have leds that will go on in the garden and one of my favorite pieces, the barbecue, is this burnt-out shell of a car, and we'll do all our landscaping and stack the brushwood on and then light it up, light it on fire, and the, the crackling and the flames in the middle of this sculpture garden in the middle of the desert is striking. We have strings of light all through the compound, and trees are growing, like, up next to the living room and through the roof. There are lots of mirrors hung around in a way that refracts the light. My boss actually made this really beautiful chandelier with you know, silver whippet canisters hanging and 
mirrors on the inside of it and it um, it just reflects really beautifully. Yeah, you can't walk into East Jesus without seeing some whippet canisters, I'm afraid. <laughs> it's a it's a part of the art, without a doubt. Sound really, really carries and really travels. We'll hear snatches of conversation being carried by the wind from you know, across the property. On windy nights, the art garden is peppered with whirligigs made from all sorts of materials. There's one made of Easter egg cups, one of, you know, bicycle wheels all stacked together, and you can hear the and rattling. We've got a few small weather turbines on top of our roof, so that whirring as well. Sometimes we'll hear the booms of trailer fires, which are not so often, but the explosions of propane combusting. We'll hear crickets every night and the wind rustling, dogs fighting, barking, cats meowing, fighting, the crunch of sand and gravel underfoot, the train. We're right across the, the train track, so we'll hear this forlorn like shipping train at least twice a day, but it's, it's best at night for me. Um, because it, it just fills fills the space and the expanse with that long, low sound. The East Jesus residencies are explicitly for artists in transition, and they're often pretty short-term. Alai has already stayed longer than she had anticipated. I, I've spoken to Jen about it and checked in several times, and she said to me, like, you're a delight and you're welcome to stay as long as you'd like. And, you know, I, I really, I fell in love with this place, and I, there was no pressing need for me to leave, and I really enjoyed staying. So here I am, and it was allowed and encouraged for me to extend my residency. The longer she stays, though, the farther she gets from the outside world. One day going out to do some shopping at Walmart, after finishing up, I walked into the bathroom and, you know, did my thing and out of muscle memory flushed the toilet and it jump scared me. I got really spooked. I forgot what the sound of a flushing toilet <laughs> was like. After doing human waste composting for six months, I was, you know, I, I was just aghast at the waste of water, and I just stood there looking at the toilet bowl for a minute, laughing at myself and laughing a little hopelessly at the volume of waste. I think that's something that's been most impactful about my time here is after being so self-sustainable and being so eco-conscious, it really hurts my heart to go back out into the world. And it, and it makes me laugh, because if you can't laugh, you cry. Ali will be leaving soon, though. She'll have been in the desert for almost a year. I know it's going to be a shock, a culture shock. Um, absolutely. I, I'll incorporate what I can and remember what I can't for when I return. But this will not be the end of my time at East Jesus. I've I put a lot of work into this place, and God damn it, I have sculptures that I need to finish. <laughs> like, you know, I put my my time and my heart into this place, and it shows. I think, 
Maybe that's bold to say, but I would love to come back and I know that I'm welcome to. I also know that that's true for East Jesuits past, present, and future, which is why we have happenings and gatherings periodically throughout the year. It's almost these homecomings where 30, 40, 50 people will come and make art all together and will eat and make merry, what have you. <laughs> this community has a wider reach of people than you'd expect. There's rocket scientists, lawyers, dancers, producers, technicians, all part of the East Jesuit family all looking for and finding the same thing. East Jesus is freedom and it's struggle. It's community, relying on each other and pursuing things that make a life worth living. You've been listening to Nocturne. I'm Vanessa Lowe. Nocturne is produced by me and was created by myself and Kent Sparling, who also composed the theme music. Thank you to everyone who supports Nocturne on Patreon and PayPal. To find out how you can help keep the show going strong, go to nocturnepodcast.org support. Till next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>